from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey. Uh, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Um, for October 13th, 2022, a very special um, 15th anniversary edition of the podcast, now known as Teeing It Up. It was once a college radio show. It uh, premiered back on September 24th of 07. And we could not let this occasion go by without honoring it and, 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 and basically by going big. You know, we had to go big for 15. So with that, I am honored to welcome in from ESPN and the Yes Network, Ryan Rucco to Teeing It Up. Ryan, how are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Congrats on 15 years. The long we've gone from... You know, radio studios to hotel rooms to golf courses to yeah, uh, you know, things in my house to all kinds of places. It's it, it's 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 it has been a truly wild ride, um, just like your wild ride because you call women's basketball and the NBA for ESPN. You do a little bit of everything for Yankee coverage. You share play-by-play duties on Yes with Iron Eagle for their Nets coverage. You host the R2C2 podcast with CC Sabathia. You're the dad of a young daughter. Your wedding anniversary was yesterday. When do you sleep and when is your vacation? <laughs> oh, man. You know what? It is uh, it, it definitely uh, it, it can be... It can be a lot, balancing it all for sure. I think um, I definitely have learned, uh, you know, even more about responsibility, obviously, since my, my daughter was born uh, in September of 01, I mean, of uh, 21. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, just try and find those pockets. And, and thankfully, I absolutely love my job, and I have an incredible wife and the sweetest, smartest little daughter. So... I, I find joy in, in all the chaos. Um, this year was helped a little bit by the uh, WNBA ending early because of Euros. So uh, I got the last four weeks. I had some sporadic assignments, but not too much. It was it was much needed and um, and, a, and a nice little little break and some quality family time. So yeah, man, back on that NBA grind now. Um, Starting with the Warriors and, and, and Nuggets preseason game Friday night. Uh, but, um, but yeah, man, just try and find those pockets that I can. I'm going to skip to the NBA just for one second because you brought up that uh, uh, telecast you have coming up. Hubie Brown is 89 years old on the preseason conference call. Uh, uh, your. Um, your employer, ESPN, said that Hubie will do 15 games this year for ESPN slash ABC. He's 89 years old. That dude is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's unbelievable. He, he is honestly, when I think about the blessings of my career, becoming close with Hubie is right towards the top of the list. Mm. He is... You know, for me, he's very much felt like my grandfather, uh, you know, since I um, have 
been doing this at ESPN. This is my 10th NBA season at ESPN. Um, and my first couple games were with Hubie. Uh, he is the best storyteller I've ever met in my life. Um, his memory is absolutely incredible. And the way he cares for you as a person, when you know, you're someone who works with him or one of his friends or somebody gets to know, it's just amazing. And uh, he's just got a very, very special way with people. And he is a very unique teacher when it comes to life uh, and certainly when it comes to basketball. So for me, just to get to learn some of the things about the game, the way that I have uh, working with him, to get to be you know inside the circle of trust and absorb some of his just unforgettable stories, and then also um, to learn about life from him at our lunches and phone calls. And QB and I usually will talk on the phone at least like once a month uh, for you know an hour or so. And uh, if we miss each other, he leaves me just the like sweetest voicemails. If you look at my voicemail that I've saved in my life, like half of them are from QB. So uh, yeah, I mean it's he's just he's a treasure and. I hope he is doing uh, NBA basketball uh, for a very, very, very long time to come because he is still as sharp as it gets. Amen. And he's also as funny as ever because I tweeted it out in January when when you posted that picture of your daughter uh, covering her eyes and her ears in her crib. And you said that when you showed Hubie this uh, during the game, he goes, quote, not only can your daughter not bear to watch us, but she's making sure to cover her ears as well. Um, yes. Yes. And that was his instant response to that photo. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, he's, right. He's hilarious. He has a great sense of humor, and it's a quick sense of humor. Speaking of... Um, of you becoming a hashtag girl uh, uh, dad. We know women's basketball is on the rise. I can I can give you all the numbers. It was the most watched season finale to the uh, NCAA the NCAA most watched NCAA tournament title game since 2004. Um, 4.85 million viewers. Your past WNBA season was the most viewed season in 16 years, most viewed postseason in 15 years, most viewed regular season in 14 years. The bottom line is that you, the people up in the high office, and Rebecca and Holly and and the whole cast and crew are doing an, an just an amazing job of not only broadcasting these games, but also telling the stories of these women. And when that role came up for the 2020-2021 season, I said, Ruko's the natural guy for it. He's the voice of the WNBA. It just makes sense to put him in that role because those seasons are fairly close together. And, and now you're in that role. And to be able to watch them go through college and, and personally I think going to four quarters was, was a great move for women's college basketball I would not be against it 
for men's college basketball either. I I will let that siren pass. But secondly, um, I just think that you being the voice and those being the voices, Lewis, just naturally leads into your WNBA coverage. Well, I I appreciate you saying that, and I do feel that way as well. I you know I think there's definitely a, a natural symmetry there. Um, that uh, you know comes from getting to see that part of the journey for these women, you know, and, and getting even more familiar with their games and and their stories and their backgrounds and um, and getting to know them as people. And I also just love I love the game, I love the intensity, I love the action. You know, I didn't fully know what it was going to be like to call an NCAA tournament. A lot of what you know drew me to the gig was knowing I was working with Rebecca and Holly again, who I absolutely adore, uh, knowing I was working with an incredible producer like Kerry Callahan and director like Jimmy Platt and uh, a coordinating uh, producer now, Vice President Pat Lowry, who's just outstanding. Um, that was all, those were you know some of the main things that drew me. And then knowing how much I love the WNBA and saying, oh, this will be awesome to see these women you know, in their more formative years ahead of time. But I don't think I ever really truly understood just how fun calling the NCAA tournament is. It is unbelievable. Like, getting to call the tournament, those games, the energy, the atmosphere, the excitement, the stakes, it's a drug, and I'm addicted to it. And (laughs) I am, I just, I just could not love the assignment anymore. And I take great pride and responsibility in, you know, being the person who is on air to help tell these stories and punctuate these moments um, for these women and, and, and for sports fans in general. And then you had, you know, um, what happened this year with Las Vegas winning their first major, you know, title of any kind. And what a, a, a what Asia Wilson did, what Chelsea Gray did for the Aces, but also to see Sue Bird, you know, take her final steps as a player, but then also see the rise of someone like uh, 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 like a uh, sorry Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, Yonesco. Yeah, yeah Yonesco. Brianna Stewart, it, it, whether you knew them from college or whether they're from overseas or whatever, and then the performance, Chelsea Gray, if I haven't already said it, that she put up in the finals, and I, I should say those were the 2022 WNBA finals presented by, uh, 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 YouTube, uh, sorry, presented by YouTube TV. I think I'm now bound to say that, correct, Ryan? Yeah, you know what? You, 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 you'll make everyone at uh, YouTube TV and ESPN very happy, so I'm not going to object. No, but, but seriously, whether you knew them in college or whether they came over from overseas in the draft, that it, and, and, and I know you're close with Sue, but now her retiring, taking a backseat, the young blood that's in the WNBA is really, really good. And, uh, I mean, Aja Wilson put on the show. Yeah, I mean, Asia Wilson uh, was incredible. 
she was incredible offensively, defensively, as a leader, as a winner. Um, she, I mean, she is going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come in this league. Two MVPs, already a championship. Uh, she, I think, just turned 26. It's, um, I mean, she won a championship in college, obviously, in South Carolina. She is going to be, you know, one of the superpowers of the WNBA for probably the next decade. Um, and, you know, who knows what the rivalry could look like between Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson. I mentioned during uh, game two when they had that epic back and forth how it felt very much kind of like bird and magic. And you wonder if this could be the, the start of something like that. Um, and uh, I, I, I wonder. You know, I wonder if we might see, you know, depending on the way the Seattle can reload without their leader, Sue Bird, who means so much to them on the floor and off. Um, I wonder if we could see that, you know, that turn into a real rivalry for years to come with Stewie and, uh, and Asia. But, yeah, just an awesome year for the league. Becky Hammond, her perfect touch for that talented Vegas team. The Liberty coming with Sabrina um, and uh, Benajah Laney and some of the other young talent there. I do think it's a it's a fun time uh, for the league on the court, and there's also an acknowledgement that um, you know this is now cool. Like there's a there's a real spot yeah. in pop culture for the WNBA that people appreciate now. I think so. The combination of those things is pretty awesome. Whether it's the sweatshirt, whether it's all the, the, those NBA stars hanging out. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's. I think I think the sweatshirt did more than anybody could have ever imagined it, it yeah. could have. And uh, yeah, she turned 26 by the way back on August 8th. Um, there you go. I thought so, which is my wife's birthday, so I should know that. There, see, it's all perfect. Um, yeah. Ryan Rucco here on the 15th anniversary uh, 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 podcast of uh, teeing it up with. Uh, 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 Jeremy Schilling. I should know my name. Um, you know, I was going to say something before and, it, and I forgot it, so I'll skip that and move on to the next thing. Um, which is that we, we sometimes hear people talk about professional relationships, personal relationships, same agencies, same agents, and it can be confusing. Like, I have Scott Van Pelt's phone number. I'm not calling Scott Van Pelt, to, you know, you know, on Sunday to, you know, chat with him about football. There's a line there that's crossed, whether it's media and person or, or whether it's interviewer and person. You and C, you know, you and CC Sabathia got, uh, 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 got to know each other when I believe you were working for the Yankees, correct? Yeah, I was doing the scoreboard hosting in the in-house. I was the in-house host with the Yankees. And uh, CeCe had just come over. He's in his late 20s. And um, we just vibed right away. He loved talking basketball with me. Uh, such a huge sports fan. We really vibed over things, you know, other than baseball. Um, and uh, um, we just, like, we got to know each other. We're very friendly. And then we ended up having a lot of... Uh, of the same friends uh, kind of crossing over. Um, and then he would listen to my radio show and when I was on at the time on ESPN Radio in New York, first with Stephen A. Smith and then with Dave Rothenberg and, and uh, before that with Robin Lumberg. 
and he would sometimes text me while I was on the air and whatever. And then he would say to me, hey, man, we got to do a podcast sometime. We got to do a show together at some point. And uh, in spring of 2017, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, it's time. Let's do this. And I stopped hosting radio shows. And I was like, look, if we're going to do this, like, this is kind of my idea of how I do it. I never want to go back into kind of the culture of turning a mountain, uh, molehill into a mountain the way that talk radio sort of sucks you into. And he was like, no, that's not what I want to do either. Like, we just wanted to offer perspective and have people share their stories and get to know people, much like you do on your podcast, Jeremy, and we're doing right now. And uh, Cece was the one who really pushed it. I was like, all right, let's do it. And so we started in 2017. We're still going strong now. And, you know, uh, at that point, we were already friends. Um, that friendship had developed over those years from, you know, 09 to 17. And it's definitely gotten only stronger now that we've worked together for this long. See, it's your five-year anniversary. Yeah, man. It's yeah. your marital anniversary, yeah. podcast anniversary. We had all kinds of anniversaries and birthdays happening. Um, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. But the reason why I bring that up is, especially when he was still with the Yankees, you knew stuff that you could not say on air you know, for yes. And there are lines that all of us in the media cross. And I know this with golf, that I'm told things that I can't say. And it's frustrating because I would love to tell my Twitter followers, hey, you know, this will be coming up, or hey, stay tuned for such, you know, for something such, or hey, watch out for this guy this week. But you can't. How do you, I guess, hold it back, for lack of a better word? Because there are times that you're on the Yes Network, and you know something, and you just can't say it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always times, you know, where you know stuff and you can't say it. Um, and I think that is part of being a professional, you know, and taking real pride in trust. You know, uh, I, I get told things by NBA coaches all the time in our meetings with them that I can't ever share, not only on air, but with anybody. And the reason it's so easy not to is because you want to continue to be trusted. And there's something really cool about being in that circle of trust. So I think it's just, it's just kind of, you know, valuing that trust and being a professional um, above anything else. And if you let that be your, you know, due north, you'll be able to navigate okay. And, and then I also think there's times where, you know, you may get a piece of information that you can't spell out directly on the air, but that can help shape your knowledge of something um, and you can use it in that way. Let's say there's a certain, you know, I'm just making this example up, but let's say there's a certain player who's not playing and the fans are like, I don't understand why player X isn't playing. Right. And you know from the head coach, just because this guy has been late to practice, you know, two of the last, you know, three days, but they don't want to talk about it publicly. You know, well then maybe you're not going to say anything like that you may not even, even if you can't say disciplinary reasons, but maybe then you're just not going to harp on it. You know, maybe then you're not going to join in the chorus of why isn't this guy playing? Because you know the reasons and you know they're valid. So I think it's just kind of finding, you know, those spots where the knowledge you have can help, you know, shape things or inform things uh, without directly saying it. Uh, and then there's other times where you just have stuff that you put in the vault and it's for you and, and you know, whoever shared it with you and that's it. Well, R2C2 can be, can be found on some of the same platforms you can find teeing up with Jeremy Schilling. I selfishly 
We'll say, please listen to uh, Tina first, and then listen to R2C2. Is that okay with you? I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, I, 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 I remember the thing that I forgot, which is back with the Aces, Chelsea Gray's play. I think Rebecca said something to the tune of, you can think of her, maybe not directly, but if Aja Wilson was, was the Steph Curry for the Aces, then maybe uh, Gray was the Tristan Thompson type, you know, uh, person. Clay Thompson? Uh, 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 yeah, sorry, Clay. Did I say Tristan? Really? Wow. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I was like, I've maybe been watching the Kardashians. No, it's because I've got calves on my nose because I want to ask about the calves uh, next. And I was thinking, I, I must yeah. have been thinking Tristan. Uh, uh, but funny. yeah, Clay, just... Yeah, I mean, I think the way Rebecca, uh, not to cut you off, Jeremy, but I think yeah. I, I, I sense where you're going. You know, I think where Rebecca, um, what she really established to me, the very beginning of the playoffs, she was like, Asia Wilson is their best player. Chelsea Gray is their most important player. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe the example would be like, you know, I, I don't know if the Warriors example works because Curry is still their most important player and their best player. But I, I so I'm not sure if she what she used there or didn't use. But like, I thought it was a really interesting way to frame it. And in the beginning of the playoffs, Rebecca said to me right away, she was like, Chelsea Gray is playing at a completely different level right now, and I don't think I had fully appreciated yet the way she was locked in. And it did not take you know, Oh, you're like, my gosh. And then you the full conference for the full semifinals after you saw it in the first round and the end of the regular season. And then you see it for the full finals. Like, she was shooting. I mean, she had the, the shooting postseason in the history of the league. Uh, and I think you can argue she just had the greatest postseason period in the history of the league. She was otherworldly. And Sue joked about this just the other day. She said, you know, if Chelsea shot just like, a, like 10% less, which by the way, she still would have been shooting 50% then <laughs> Seattle wins that series. You know, that's how good Chelsea Gray was. It was an, yeah. an incredible, incredible run that we may never see again. Ryan and Ruko's here on, uh, 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 here with us for the 15th anniversary of Teeing It Up. So 15 years ago, Ryan, I put a plant and I made the first caller somebody that I knew because I thought it would calm my nerves. And that person was Brett, who is a diehard Nets fan. So I thought, why not with you? So entwined in that Nets on Yes team, why not loop it back around 15 years later? Outside of KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons, who is the X Factor this year for the Nets? And if the Nets start out slowly, how much rope does Steve Nash get? I lost you there for a second, Jeremy. Say that again? Yeah. Um, most X Factor besides the uh, big three. And then okay. if a slow start happens, when do the questions come calling for Steve Nash's job? I think the biggest X Factor outside of the big three is Joe Harris. You know, Joe is not... CC actually said this at one point that I thought was really funny. He was like, you know, Joe's a baller, cuz. And I think, like, that's kind of the interesting thing about Joe. People look at him as a complimentary piece. 
And if you're surrounded by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, of course, you're always going to be complimentary. Um, or James Harden, you know, a couple of years ago, Ben Simmons now as well. But Joe Harris is not your average role player. This guy is a stud. There's a reason why he's making almost $20 million a year. And he was sorely missed last season. You know, for as much as the Nets deserve the criticism for the way their season sank last year, you cannot ignore how critical a loss it was with Joe going down in November and never coming back. You know, Joe Harris is a guy who is a competent defender, who is great at attacking the rim, who rebounds, who never misses assignments defensively, and who is, you know, perhaps the best three-point shooter accuracy-wise in the NBA. He, he was two of his last three healthy seasons. Um, he's a guy who really, I think, if he's healthy, changes the fortunes of this team. And, you know, he's one of the final five who's on the floor. So uh, I think, you know, he's had a little setback recently just with his foot being a little sore, which was to be expected after his reconstructive ankle surgery. Got some good news yesterday just as far as, like, his progress there. As long as Joe Harris is healthy, like, I think that is so huge for this team. And just having a big wing who could shoot it, um, who allows him to play small or big, I, I believe he's the X factor. As far as the Nash stuff goes, you know, I'm sure that if the Nets got off to a bad start, the fan base would definitely be, you know, questioning Steve Nash because that's what fan bases do. Now, do I think any of that would be going on internally? I really don't know. You know, Sean Marks and Steve Nash go way back. They have a long relationship, and I think there's a real trust there. And I think in fairness to Steve Nash, he has not been given yet the real no. you know, opportunity to succeed. He hasn't had any kind of continuity whatsoever in his first two years. You know, his first year, you're dealing with everything COVID-wise. You get some, some big, you know, injuries, losing guys for huge chunks of time. First of all, you change your team. You know, Kyrie goes AWOL for a couple weeks. You change your team. You bring in Harden. Then you're having great success in the regular season. The rant gets hurt. You're still having success. Durant comes back, Harden gets hurt, you're in the playoffs, Harden and Kyrie go down. So, you know, I mean, if Harden and Kyrie don't go down, we could have easily been saying Steve Nash won a championship his first year as head coach. Then last year, you don't have the services of Kyrie after you had him for training camp. You don't have him at the beginning of the season. So everything you prepared goes out the window. Um, then Joe Harris gets hurt as well. Then James Harden gets traded. So as much as you know, maybe there's nothing you look at and you say, oh, I'm convinced Steve Nash is going to be a great coach, which I understand if you're saying, hey, I don't know if he is or he isn't. That's fair. I think it's a little premature to be convinced that he's not because I don't think he has yet had, you know, the the consistency, the continuity, or, or even just the horse is healthy uh, to feel like you can make that assessment. Yeah. And, and for the franchise, I mean, you're one inch away from possibly a very different yeah. ending yeah. To, 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 exactly. to, to so much of this. All right. Some uh, quick hitters here on the way out. Will the Lakers make more headlines or wins? Headlines or wins? <laughs> I, you know, man, I actually think the Lakers could be much better than last year. So I'm going to say wins. Okay. I, I, think that I think they're going to be better this year. I like the change of head coach. Um, this is a little switch up, even though Frank Vogel did a great job there winning a championship a couple years ago. 
Um, I like what they've done with some of their uh, kind of low-cost uh, bench pieces. Um, and I also like the idea of, you know, what happens with LeBron and AD after getting panned for an entire season. So I think, you know, are they going to come out of the West? I wouldn't pick them to do that. But do I think they'll be more of a factor than people might think? I do. Are the Cavs f- for real? Yes, very much so. Uh, I, I fear them. I I fear them as a Nick fan. Not that we're going very far in the playoffs either. But I just, I think that that team could be a beast. I think they could be very, very good. And, you know, they also are young. And so this may, you know, just be the, you know, first iteration of what could end up being a, a real contender. The East is loaded. You know, obviously Boston has some issues going on, but Boston, Milwaukee, I think is the favorite to come out of the East. Uh, Miami, who was a whisker away from going to the finals last year. Uh, obviously, Brooklyn and their talent now, if they can kumbaya and stay healthy. Uh, Philadelphia, I think, is going to be really good. And that's, uh, you know, before even talking about the Cavs, who, who could, you know, they could end up being a top four or five team in the East, too. So... There's a there's a lot of real talent in the East. It's going to be tough, but I really like Cleveland uh, as well. And and maybe that means they're only going to win you know 45 games because the East is so tough. But I really like them. One more question because you're a first time guest. Rumors going around that your dad, since he retired, has been playing more golf. Uh, what's the handicap down to? Is he having success? Uh, he he is definitely playing more golf. Uh, his handicap, I think last he checked, was a 10 or 11. There you go. Um, Good for him. Yeah, yeah. No, Good he's a solid you. golfer. He's a very, very, very solid golfer, and he's obsessed with it. He also has an impeccable memory, and it's funny because he will literally replay for you every shot that he and everybody in his foursome had on any given day. So if I catch him after a round, he is going to detail for me, like, on one, I hit my tee shot here. Then my follow-up was here. And then, on, you know, on five, I missed a pipe just a little bit left. You know where that bunker is? Yeah, it almost rolled down that. Like, he he has an incredible memory. Um, and, uh, but he loves it. I've gotten out a few times with him this year, but I definitely could use a couple more. Dude, dude, I'm the same way. So if you are tired of hearing this and want to go on, like, baby duty or something, just, like, call me, you know? That's so funny. You know, because I'm, I'm the same way, and and, and uh, he and I could chop up for the rest of the night. Ryan Rucco of ESPN and the S Network. We never even got to the Yankees. For the Yankees, can can the sun just shine? That's my only question. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. I mean, it's like the, the rain out of game two, I think, I think it hurts the Yankees a little bit just because instead of a charged up night atmosphere in the normal cadence of a series, although it was actually not even the normal cadence because it was going to be a day between games yeah. one and two and now there's two. Um, but you get a day game, 105 on a weekday. Those could be tough for fans to get to. It's not the same Yankee Stadium atmosphere, so I think Cleveland catches a little break there. Will it be enough for them to make up uh, you know, the difference between these teams in this series? I'm not sure. Um, I still like the Yankees to win the series in four, but um, but yeah, man, I think uh, everybody probably wishes that the Yankees and Guardians would have been playing on Wednesday night when it was 69 degrees and gorgeous. Exactly. That game should have been played yeah. yesterday. Major League Baseball blows my mind sometimes. Absolutely blows my mind. 
Ryan Rucco, ESPN, Yes Network, R2C2 Podcast. Thank you for coming on the 15th birthday edition of, uh, of uh, Teeing It Up. I really appreciate it. Anytime. All the best to you. And congrats on 15 years. Thanks to Andy and Amanda Kimberly at ESPN uh, PR for this episode. Thank you to Matt Stucco as well for making this happen. And on my side, my family and friends, the originals, Andrew, Andrew, Jamie, Mike, Mike, rest in peace, to the current group of Jordan, Kyle, Danny, Luke, Alyssa, Ryan, Sean, Sean, the list goes on. Thank you to everyone for, uh, uh, for their ongoing support. We're at Apple uh, uh, Podcasts, Spotify. Let's keep this going. Thanks to all of you, and have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.